With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to the Eric Erickson Show podcast. Hour two. Greetings, conversationalists. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson here across the United States of America, all from Georgia, no less. Where it's a beautiful day outside from my window. The phone number, if you want to be on the program, 877-973-7425. I wish to begin, friends, by, well, some of you are going to say I'm cruel, lack sympathy or empathy, and I'm just, I'm prepared for the attacks. NBC News is increasingly a, they're not even trying to be a fair outlet. It's not that they ever have been, but they're increasingly open about their partisanship and progressivism in how they handle uh, cultural issues and in how they handle issues in Washington, D.C. And it's another example of their progressive activism where they're blending not just coverage of the news, but actual advocacy for sides within the news, that they have a piece out. And the headline is this, the terrifying trade-offs millions of Americans face as student loan repayment resumes. It's really, really scary. We're going to be living on the brink, one borrower said. Tens of millions of Americans with federal student loan debt have had a financial reprieve for more than three years as a pandemic-era repayment pause was extended multiple times since March 2020. Now many face a new reality on Sunday, October 1st, when they're due to resume making payments all while struggling with nagging inflation and rising interest rates. Wait a second. They told us that's no big deal. It's, it's kind of funny at a macro level when NBC News covers the economy, they say everything is hunky-dory, every, everything is fine, uh, inflation's gone down, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But when they focus on an advocacy piece like this, that suddenly the economy's bad. Oh, no, these people are going to have a hard time. More than 45 million borrowers owe $1.6 trillion combined, according to the Biden administration, which tried to cancel up to $20,000 in debt, only to have the Supreme Court kill it. I want, let, let, Let's review some of the people highlighted by NBC News. The first is Dominique Byers, age 29. He'll pay $800 a month. His trade-offs will be more credit card debt saving for his first child. Dominique says he owes around $60,000 in student loan debt and is expected to pay $800 a month. He's a human resource consultant with an MBA. So he lives in Charlotte, North Carolina, which is an expensive city to live in, by the way. He owes $60,000 in student loan debt. 
He's been putting money on bills on credit cards, so his credit card payments have ballooned. So he didn't cut back. He's got an MBA, and he didn't cut back. He's had all of this time with deferment, and he could have changed how he was handling things, uh, but he didn't. And now he should be bailed out, apparently. He thinks he should be bailed out. He's a human resource consultant with a bachelor's degree and an MBA. It just seems suffocating. Dude, beans and rice, cut back, save money. Do the Dave Ramsey program. Parvina Abdi, 34, Ridgecrest, California. Expected monthly payment, $200. Now, this is what I find really rich. She earned a bachelor's degree in psychology and a master's in teaching at the University of Southern California. She's living with family, and she's taken on part-time and freelance writing jobs while looking for full-time employment that would cover her bills because she was a teacher. $60,000 in student loan debt and probably would have been forgiven had she been a teacher for a certain period of time. It's 200 bucks a month, and she gave up her teaching job and is now doing freelance writing while living at home, and we should feel sorry for her and her life decisions. Keith Crutchin is 40 from Rockford, Illinois. Expected monthly payment, $375. He's going to keep a 21-year-old car now. He's putting off home repairs, and he's skipping activities with his two kids. He had been hopeful about the Biden $20,000 debt, leaving him with only $6,500 left to pay. It felt incredibly doable. He's got a bachelor's degree in business and a master's in arts in higher education administration from the University of Mississippi more than a decade ago. He's no longer going to movies or eating out with his kids. Sports lessons are kind of on the chopping block. My daughter's in dance, so cutting back on that. He works as an operations manager and is a board member of Rockford Promise, a nonprofit organization. He's $500 underwater every month when all the bills are paid, so it's stacked onto credit cards. He's struggling to make ends meet. He works as an operations manager and works on a nonprofit board. So much for the uh, higher education administration degree. And then there's Rachel Grip, 38, of Irvington, Kentucky. $240 a month. She's going to have to work more and buy less groceries. Those are her trade-offs. She's a mother of four. She owes $21,000 in student loan debt, 50% more than when she started because of interest. The roughly $240 she'll be expected to pay is a week's worth of groceries for all of us. She's in professional development for a moving company. That's, that's what her job is in. Professional development for a moving company. Patrick Donahue is 67 of San Diego. Uh, $800 to $850 in parent plus loans. He's working part-time after retirement, trying to protect his inheritance. He was able to afford to go to a private college, but after paying for his four kids to go to college, he owes $50,000 in parental loans. 
as parents of dependent undergraduate students used to help pay their education. He and his wife recently retired from her job. She was a dental assistant. He retired from customer service at AT AT&T, and he still works part-time. They've considered paid off the loans at a lump sum, but that would delete their lessons. So wait. Why aren't your kids helping you? Why you you took out the loans for your kids? You've got four kids. Why aren't your kids helping you? Rihanna Dodds-Funk, this is probably the funniest one. Rihanna Dodds-Funk, 45 years old, University Place, Washington. Expected monthly payment, $500. She's having to give up private office space, cable TV, and phone lines. She and her husband have nearly a million dollars in student loan debt. She's a law school graduate. Her husband is a former philosophy professor who went back to school to get a law degree to help support their two teenage children. She said if there if it weren't for income-driven repayment plans, her monthly payment would be more than $5,000 under a payment plan. She Okay, so give this, had Biden done this, had he gotten rid of $20,000, they'd still owe almost a million dollars. The rent's gone up to $3,500 from $2,100 since the pandemic. You got student loans on top of it. They got rid of cable TV. They canceled plans. They're going to give up office space for where she practiced law. She's going to work from home. A million dollars. Are these the people who called Dave Ramsey? I need to tell you guys why I'm not sympathetic. And I'm not sympathetic. I'm not sympathetic because most of these people, let's go through the payments of these people. One's 800, one's 200. One's 375, one's 240, one's 800, one's 500. Most of the people listed are less than 500. I pay $475 a month in student loans. And because mine were through private student loan funding, not the government, uh, that $20,000 was not going to be taken off. I, I didn't complain about it. I didn't whine about it. I undertook the debt. I signed the documents. And you could say, well, when you're 18 years old and you signed the documents and you have no idea. Some of these people are, the, the, the mom and dad who signed for their kids, they weren't 18 years old. This couple here with the million dollars, he was a philosophy professor. He wasn't an 18-year-old signing his life away. These were grown-ups who made these decisions and are having trouble making ends meet now. And I'm sorry you're having trouble making ends meet. I did too. And I didn't go to the government for a bailout. You know what I did? I got an extra job. We made cutbacks. We didn't have fancy cable package. We didn't have nice cars. I bought my first car, non-used car, when I got a job at CNN making more money than I ever made as a conservative commentator on CNN. And I finally went out and bought a new car. Do you know my car literally had a window taped up with duct tape to keep it from falling because I couldn't even afford to get it fixed? 
I drove around a car, and by the way, it was a used car that I bought from my sister-in-law, who herself had bought it as a used car. It was an Acura and literally had to have duct tape to keep a window up. And I couldn't afford more than that. It's what I could afford. It's what I lived with. I didn't go to mommy and daddy for a bailout. I didn't go to the government for a bailout. I had to defer my loans on more than one occasion because I couldn't make ends meet with medical bills and everything else in my family. I didn't go to a bailout. I got another job. These people want a government bailout for their life decisions. You made bad life decisions. I made a bad decision. I don't even practice law anymore. I'm paying $475, and I've still got more than a decade left to pay. I've been paying that money since I got out of law school. I had several hundred thousand dollars in student loans. All my undergrad finally got paid off. My wife barely had any. We paid hers off. Most of mine is law school. I don't even practice law anymore. It was my decision. It was my life. And I got another job to help me pay it. And now, thankfully, make enough money. I can work one job and my wife can stay home and I still pay it. But I still pay it. It was never going to be forgiven and I didn't need it forgiven because I got a job. I made cutbacks. I lived the life you're now complaining about having to live. The idea that you should be able to take all of this debt, have the rest of America bail you out of it, and you live a comfortable existence is wrong. You are essentially making other people not have a comfortable life so that their tax dollars can go to you so you can have the comfortable life. Eat beans and rice. Do the Dave Ramsey program. Make cutbacks. Don't get cable television. Don't buy the iPhone. Life is not fair, and life can be hard. This idea that you should have a two-car household in a nice area with land and all that, that's fine. But when you got this amount of debt, you got to cut back somewhere instead of making the government bail you out of it. You wanted the rest of us, the majority of Americans who do not have student loans or paid off their student loans, you want the rest of America to pay off your student loans because you got a degree in teaching your student loans 200 bucks a month and you've decided to quit teaching to be a freelance writer and that's on us? No, it's on you. I have no sympathy for these people. The terrifying trade-offs, that's what NBC lists, the terrifying trade-offs. And the terrifying trade-off is I had to cancel cable, and I can't go to the movies with my kids. I don't have sympathy. I'm paying my student loans. Mine were not part of the package. I pay $475 a month, and I don't even use my law degree anymore. Well, I do in different ways, but I don't practice law. You want me to be sympathetic? A majority of Americans do not have college degrees. Many of them are middle-class, blue-collar workers, and these privileged people who qualified for government-subsidized loans want the rest of them to pay be paid off by those people who never went to college. And of those who did go to college, the majority have paid off their loans. And somehow, because they did the right thing, they're going to be punished by the government. It is the taxpayer money. The government money comes from the taxpayers. And what these people want is for the taxpayers to bail them out of the decisions they made. That is wrong. Guys, if you're a small, mid-sized business, you're struggling with HR issues, you have employees not showing up, or you got to do a termination, you need onboarding of employees, maybe there's a sexual harassment complaint. 
You want an HR manager. You don't want to be the bad guy with your employees. Bambi can play the role of HR for you. $99 a month, available by phone, email, real-time chat. They do onboardings, terminations. They help your team members get to peak performance. And your business stays compliant with changing HR regulations, regardless of which state. They're great. Now, they're U.S.-based. They, you got somebody to talk to who's dedicated to your team. They give you access to HR expertise, and they add personal touches. So even though they're outsourced by your company, they really feel like they're a part of your team. That matters. Go to Bambi.com right now. Type in Eric Erickson under podcast. When you sign up, it'll help my show. Bambi.com, B-A-M-B-E-E.com, Bambi.com, Eric Erickson in the podcast tab. Hello there, those of you on the phones, just... Be with me, because I promise you when we come back, I will love to take your phone calls, but I just happen to have a, about a minute here, so that would be a disservice to all of you. Some of you have been waiting for a while. Um, I, I got I to gotta go focus on a couple other things, one of which is, uh, you know, Rivian. I've been seeing more and more Rivian trucks in my area. There's a big Rivian uh, plant that's supposed to be being built here in Georgia, and if you if you drive down I-16 towards Savannah, there's this massive Hyundai plant that's being built for electric cars. Uh, Rivian's plant that was much touted is still an empty field. And now it, gosh, they're having major financial troubles. Uh, they're sell for over 80,000 on average. They're losing $33,000 on every single vehicle they sell. Basically, the, they're losing a Ford F-150's worth of money every time they sell a vehicle, which is insane. Uh, they're trying to complete with to compete with Tesla to be the Tesla. The, the Tesla truck is is butt ugly, by the way. Uh, the Tesla truck uh, looks like it came out of some nightmare, but Rivian is struggling financially and otherwise, and they burned through billions of dollars, and they're still not catching up. I'm I. I'm a little bit skeptical of where this leads with them. I'm, I don't know. Well, I'm skeptical of all the economy right now. I don't know if y'all have heard that October is is the, the topsy-turvy turmoil time for the markets. If you're in the markets and you're worried about your 401k, your IRA, your investment, Swiss America could teach you about precious metals and how they can ease the ebbs and flows of the market. Swiss America uh, can teach you about uh, value and how precious metals hold their value. They can also get you into the walking Liberty half dollar for $13.50 each delivered up to 250 per customer. It's a great way to get into precious metals. It is minted by the U.S. Mint. It is a silver coin. It is a beautiful collector's item and also a beautiful way to get you into building up precious metals within your portfolio. If you are interested at all, if you got questions about precious metals, if you're interested in investing in them, reach out to Swiss America. 800-289-2646 is their number. 800-289-2646. Or you can go to SwissAmerica.com slash Eric. If you mention my name, Eric, E-R-I-C-K, when you call them or you can text them, 800-289-2646. Just text my name. You get the Walking Liberty Half Dollar, their report on the war on cash. You can go to SwissAmerica.com slash Eric. If you call or text 800-289-2646, message and data rates do apply. Just send them my name. Get involved in precious metal investing. Hello. Welcome. It's Eric Erickson here. The phone number is 877-973-7425. Should you like to be on the program? As promised. Got people who've been waiting for a while. 
We'd love to go chat with them. Stacy, let's start with you. Well, welcome to the program. Thank you. Two quick comments. First, I do think we should cancel federal student loans, but don't issue them to begin with. And I can't understand how people can say at age 18, they didn't know what they were getting into with a loan, but yet we're fine with uh, folks under the age of 18 to make a gender transition ah, decision. Amen. So, so yes. Um, two quick questions. What California group can you think of that could sue Governor Newsom for the appointment of a Maryland resident for Senate? And then what reaction do you think it would be if Newsom had said, I'm only going to appoint a straight white male? Now, I know those terms are hard to define nowadays, but what are your thoughts on that? <laughs> Look, uh, first of all, I think the California Republican Party uh, should file the lawsuit against Gavin Newsom because, I mean, the Constitution specifically says it's got to be 30 and a resident of the state, um, and he's picking someone from Maryland. This is ripe for a challenge. Or I think that a Republican member of the Senate should challenge the credentials uh, when the nomination gets to the U.S. Senate. There's got to be a way to stop this. Now, hang on a second. I, I, You know what? While you're on the phone, Stacey, I want to see something real quick. Because if I remember correctly... Um, let's go to, da, 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 da. should be article one, section three. Yes. Um, shall be composed. No person shall be a Senator who has not attained the age of 30 years and been nine years a citizen of the United States and who shall not when elected to be an inhabitant of the state for which she is chosen. Now, it says elected, but obviously there's an appointment process, and I, I think the equivalent there, and, and they're not. Um, so, yeah, I think someone should should challenge this. Um, thanks very much for that. Yeah, I mean, th this is the language. No person shall be a senator who shall not have obtained the age of 30 years and been nine years a citizen of the United States and who shall not, when elected, be an inhabitant of that state for which he shall be chosen. Now, there is an appointments clause as well within the Constitution, and the governor gets to appoint, and the requirements for appointment are the same as for election, so that would mean that um, when appointed must be an inhabitant of the state in which she shall be chosen. I think that should open this appointment up to a challenge, and someone should make it. Larry, you're going to be up next. Welcome to the Eric Erickson Show. Larry, how are you? I'm great. How are you? Good. Uh, you really struck a nerve with me talking about these people with their student loans. When I graduated from college, maybe 50 or 100 years ago, I owed a whopping $8,778. My first job out of college, I made $9 an hour. I paid my student loan every single month. I paid it on time. I brown bagged my lunch for years, and I paid that debt off a year or two early. These, these people you described are so wrongheaded, it makes my head spin. Mm -hmm. Don't buy an education for more money than what you can earn. It's really simple. And, and these fools and idiots are going out and doing just that overspending for their education. And well, and, and you know, Larry, it's also that, let, let me add, add to what you're saying here is in several of the cases of the people profiled, 
These are not people who got the student loans to get to college. These are people who got out into the workforce and then decided, hey, I'm going to go get a master's degree in something. Let me get student loans. These were not 18-year-olds. Right. So how foolish are they? Don't ask your fellow Americans to bail you out when you do something completely irresponsible. Mm-hmm. I'm just, I'm just sick and tired of people putting their hands out and saying, help me, help me. I did something dumb and I don't want to pay for it myself. Yeah, go get yourself a second or third job. It's hard. Life is always hard. And that's one thing I've learned. It's those easy times that you have in life that you think, oh, I wish life could be like this all the time. Guess what? It's not. Life is hard. It's always going to be hard. So cowboy up, cowgirl up. Get in the saddle and fix it your own damn self. Amen, amen, and amen, Larry. Thank you for that. Yeah, I, I mean, y'all, it, it just it 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 boggles my mind. Look, you, you try to be sympathetic and empathetic. I I I think we're supposed to be empathetic to the plight of other people, even if we disagree. We should have some empathy. And I understand you. You got these student loans and you're struggling. You thought you'd get a better paying job, but you did that. You did that. If you buy a house, you take out a mortgage and your life circumstances change, you sell the house and you get out of it when you can't make the mortgage mortgage payments or eventually you go bankrupt. The one thing I will say is that we should change bankruptcy law so that people can discharge in bankruptcy if they need to. But you got to go through the bankruptcy process to get out of it. I was a critic of Republicans back in the early 2000s when they decided to make it so you couldn't file for bankruptcy against student loans anymore. That's one of the reasons student loans have accessibility has skyrocketed is because the banks will give you whatever you want, knowing you can never get out of the debt. We should allow people out of the, to discharge the debts in bankruptcy. Uh, we never should have gotten rid of that, but still it's your obligation. It's your debt. David, you're going to be up next. Welcome to the Eric Erickson show. Always a pleasure, sir. Just to accentuate what Larry said real quick on that. Uh, it's a, and I know this to be fact because I'm, I'm one of these people. I borrowed the money, got the financial aid, et cetera, et cetera, and the proven fact that you make over a million dollars more in your lifetime with a degree than you do with a high school diploma. Mm-hmm. There's your payback right there. And then uh, originally what I got with your screen caller was, by the way, great monologue last – your monologue, awesome. Thank um, Correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't Joe Biden say in his – term so far that oh the stock market is up two trillion dollars in value but if you yep. look at the stock number he's still behind uh i think 800 points right now behind what when trump left it maybe a thousand mm-hmm. am i an idiot or am i just missing something here what his lies more of his lies yeah look this is I, I I do think it was was higher uh, when Trump was president until COVID and, and then it, it, it took the nosedive and it's been going back up. The problem here is it's like the jobs. When Joe Biden says he created 13 million jobs, he didn't. Uh, those 13 million jobs, a, a, a massive chunk of those jobs now, something like 10 of the 13 million were jobs that were furloughed during COVID that have come back. He didn't create them. They were jobs that were paused while people sat home and, and took unemployment and now are coming back. He didn't create those jobs. Same thing with the stock market. But you live by the stock market, you die by the stock market. October is a topsy-turvy time for stock markets. And he he could die by them. It's like binomics. I, I, I want to get to this, and I will eventually. Democrats starting to 
get more and more nervous about Biden running for re-election and also upset with the term Bidenomics. Let, let me play you this clip before I get any more calls. This is, uh, what's his name, uh, Bernstein. He's the White House economic advisor trying to defend Bidenomics yet again as more stories have come out. I mentioned Friday, Democrats are starting to say it's probably a bad idea to embrace the term Bidenomics, and yet the White House is still doubling down on it. This is the exchange from this morning on CNBC. I'm sure you saw Axios over the weekend. They had a sneak peek where they, they called it the Biden and Bidenomics blunder, just saying that tying the president to the economy maybe wasn't the best idea when so many Americans don't feel like they have gotten ahead. And so many of them are now saying they feel better with Republicans in terms of the economy than, than Democrats at this point. A lot of that's inflation. People having to try and keep up, even though wages may be going up at this point, trying to keep up with some pretty high inflation numbers over the last several years. What do you say to that, Jared? Well, we think Bidenomics is uh, clearly working, and it's not just about the here and now, although it's about that too. So let's st start with where we are right now. Uh, again, we have real wage gains over the past few months, and that consistently supports strong consumer spending, which is leading to uh, GDP growth estimates that are way above trend for Q3 that I'm sure you've seen. Uh, if you have a healthy consumer and a 70% consumer spending economy, that's going to get a lot done. That's the here and now. We have wages rising. We have prices coming down. Uh, the headlines down by about half in the PCE, down by more than half in the CPI. And we've seen core inflation at a three-month annualized rate close to 2%, the Fed's target. So we really like the progress there. But Bidenomics is, of course, also about the longer term, the deep investments in the future, in clean energy production on our soil, domestic, in electric vehicles and electric batteries, domestic, here on our soil. And we are pulling in private capital at a breakneck pace. So the idea that Bidenomics isn't working is completely belied by statistics about where we are now and where we're headed in the future. Man, you they are wrapping themselves around the label that Americans aren't buying. You live by the label, you die by the label. Uh, that's It's actually pretty profound that he would double down on that, particularly when people aren't feeling uh, the economic benefit. It's kind of remarkable. Uh, Mike, you're going to be up next. Welcome to the show. Yes. Uh, I, uh... Mike? <laughs> Something happened. Uh Mike, we're going to put you back on hold and go to Mickey. Welcome to the show, Mickey. Oh, hey, how you doing, Eric? It's always Good. a pleasure to talk to the smartest man on radio. Uh-oh, I appreciate it. High standard there. <laughs> so anyway, I heard you say just a minute ago that uh, even though you're not in favor of, you know, just eliminating student debt, and I whole, wholeheartedly agree with you on that, but why are you okay then with allowing them to discharge it through bankruptcy, which is still largely letting them get out of the debt? Uh, because we, we allow people to get out of all the debts that they undertake if life circumstances change other than their taxes, uh, credit cards, mortgages, you name it. Uh, up until the Republicans did this in uh, the early 2000s, uh, the rate of student loan uh, forbearance in this country decreased. When we made it so it was non-dischargeable in bankruptcy, uh, that's when the rate of student loan uptake in this country exploded. Uh, banks and colleges and even the federal government made it exceedingly easy to get student loans after that. Uh, colleges in particular were way more caring and discerning prior to the dischargeability change because they knew people might discharge in bankruptcy. So the access was reduced, the interest rates were, were uh, a little bit higher, but uh, more stable and less people took them. 
I don't see that as the same, though, because with the student loan, the government's now in charge of that. They're leaving the debt on the taxpayers. If it's a credit card debt and they declare bankruptcy, well, that was a private institution doing that. Also, if it's like, say, I default on my home loan and have to declare bankruptcy, well, the bank can take that home. So they're not at a total loss. With the student debt, I mean, you, there's no collateral. You can't take their degree back. You know, their degree in lesbian dance interpretation, whatever that might be worth. Yes and no. So uh, it it wasn't just subsidized student loans. Uh, It was unsubsidized student loans as well. So also, you know, there's a class of subsidized student loan that, uh, and maybe we say you can't make a subsidized student loan dischargeable in bankruptcy. That's not a bad idea because that is a taxpayer-backed one. But also unsubsidized loans is where a lot of the problems are. Unsubsidized loans are the loans that the government doesn't guarantee, so you can still get them. They're still regulated through the student loan program, but they're not subsidized by taxpayers. Those aren't dischargeable either. I mean, maybe we could garnish their wages, couldn't we? If, if they would do that, if I owe the IRS money from taxes... Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Um, And and maybe we do need to distinguish between uh, subsidized and unsubsidized. But I I do think that even in the case of unsubsidized loans, where the federal government allowed student loan programs to give easily, readily available student loans to people – the uptake, the incentive for colleges, the incentives for banks, the incentives for everyone to throw out these student loans that then bound people forever, um, it, it went through the roof. They lost, essentially, they took the guardrails off. When you could no longer ever get out of paying off your student loans, they got the guardrails off the program and would give them to anyone. Before, when they were dischargeable within bankruptcy, banks and colleges exercised care and discernment in who they gave student loans to that were unsubsidized. That's part of the problem we're running into right now is the student loan industry and the rate of college tuition has skyrocketed. One of the great proposals out there from Republicans says essentially that if someone files bankruptcy and it becomes dischargeable again, it's the universities that are on the hook for the debt because they're the ones who made it readily available. I'm not opposed to that either. But I do think when you look at the people who had student loans, the amount of student loans, the amount of debt, before the bankruptcy rules were changed and after, what you see is there was more care in administering the program. And after you could no longer discharge it, they got rid of all the safety net rules and all the the guardrails to keep an overwhelming number of people from getting them. So I I think we got to go back and change the bankruptcy rules again. Maybe, and we grandfather in people, who have student loans now that aren't dischargeable, but otherwise we're going to keep seeing a reckless reckless demand for student loans that are unregulated uh, and unguarded by the banks and institutions. Now, uh, i got to step out, take a quick time out. Before I do, though, i got to tell you about the Eden Pure 360, the heater, the cooler. It's fantastic. Ten fan levels. It heats, it cools, it's ultra-quiet. It weighs less than eight pounds. It shoots the air across the room 33 feet. It can heat up a 1,000 square feet, and it doesn't use a bulb that you have to change. It uses a copper coil. It works. It really does work. With winter coming, cooler temperatures coming, maybe you don't want to run your uh, house heater, but you just want to keep a room warm and comfortable. The Eden Pure 360 does this, and you can get one for $25 off the lowest price and free shipping. All you do is go to EdenPureDeals.com, EdenPureDeals.com. The discount code is ERIC360, E-R-I-C-K 360. 
and you'll get the Eden Pure 360 heater cooler fan. It plugs into the wall. It heats. It cools. You'll get it $25 off the lowest price. You get free shipping. EdenPureDeals.com. Eric360 is the discount code. When we come back, there's some big breaking news regarding that 2000 Mule documentary from Dinesh D'Souza. I got to tell you about. I have done my best to discourage y'all from that 2000 Mules documentary over time. So much of it was packaged and narrated in a way that uh, you didn't question what you were hearing. And uh, a lot of it was just simply wasn't true, including in Atlanta, Georgia. They showed someone dropping off multiple ballots and claimed it was one of these mules who were hired to collect uh, ballots and drop them off. Uh, that person who was shown in the video uh, dropping off multiple ballots and driving away, his name is Mark Andrews. And he was dropping off his ballot and those of his wife and children. In the movie, claims he committed a crime. Accusing someone of committing a felony is uh, liable under defamation laws. You can't accuse someone who's innocent of committing a crime. Not only was Mr. Andrews accused, but um, actually law enforcement showed up at his house. Turns out he did nothing wrong. He's suing for defamation, and the court, federal courts have said he can proceed with his lawsuit now, this defamation case. Good for him uh, for taking up this matter and, and filing suit. Good for him. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.